because he lives, I can face tomorrow. You know, that song doesn't say because he lived, but because he lives. Jesus rose from the dead. That's what this celebration of Resurrection Sunday is all about. That because Christ is alive today, our lives are forever changed. I'm so glad you're with us this morning. Uh, Easter is the season we celebrate the greatest event in world history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to begin my message this morning with a short video depicting two of Jesus' disciples, Peter and John, after they've heard the news that the tomb was empty. Now, you remember Friday, they saw Jesus die a brutal death. They knew he was dead. They saw him buried, wrapped in cloths, spices, Roman soldiers guarding the tomb. So they, know it was, they knew it was over, but yet what this resurrection morning will show us is it's only just begun. Listen in John's gospel, John chapter 20. It was early on Sunday morning. It was still dark. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And then she ran and found Simon, Peter, and John, and she said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. And Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. And what we find is the resurrection changes everything. Enjoy the video. We'll be right back. Why were they laughing? 
I don't know about you, but I began to laugh with them too to realize that Jesus had conquered the grave. Jesus was not dead, but he was alive. And perhaps they realized that what Jesus said was true. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man would suffer many terrible things. Now listen, Jesus predicted he'd be killed, but three days later, he'd rise from the dead. Now this is humanly impossible. Dead people don't come back to life, but history records Jesus did. Today we're going to talk about the power of the resurrection, not just as a historical event, but about the power of the resurrection to change our lives today. We're going to look at Peter and John a little further to see how the resurrection changed their lives. I'll talk about the resurrection and the hope that we have as Christians that God can help us in this coronavirus crisis. And most importantly, we'll talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ as it is the basis of our sins being forgiven and the offer of Christ of eternal life. Let's talk about it together. And I've entitled the message, The Resurrection Changes Everything. Uh, John chapter 20, if you've got your Bibles, I want to look first at Peter and John. And I want to look and see that they were first hiding and hopeless, but then they became faith-filled and courageous. What happened? Let's begin with hiding and hopeless. John chapter 20, verse 19. Now, this is Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday, but they are still scared to death. And I want you to get the feel of what's happened. The Bible says the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. This is a picture of two men scared for their life. They were afraid that they'd get arrested. They were afraid they'd face death. They still had the sound ringing in their ears when the nails were nailed in Jesus' hand and into his feet. They watched as that sword pierced his side, and they were like you and I would be. They were afraid. They were scared, but when the reality of the resurrection hit them, everything changed. I want to jump ahead a few weeks early in the book of Acts now, and we'll see that these two men that were hiding and helpless are now filled with faith and courageous. Let's read Acts chapter 4. Now, Peter and John are different people. Of course, they were going to the temple, as you know the story. They were going to the temple to pray. They saw a man uh, that was a cripple. He'd never walked in his life before. And uh, he looked up at Peter and Peter and said, look, I don't have any money, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And a miracle that was just as profound as the miracles that Jesus did happened in that very moment. And then crowds began to gather. Uh, As the crowds gathered, the Jewish people began to come that day and they began to threaten Peter and John. But let's see what happened. Acts chapter four, verse two, Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus is the resurrection of the dead. Now, so those that dismissed the resurrection, they would say, well, gosh, the disciples just hid his body somewhere. Listen, these weren't crazy people. These were people that had seen the resurrection. They knew that it was true, and they changed their lives, and now they're telling everybody about it. Verse 3, it happened. They arrested them, and then these Jewish leaders demanded, in whose name have you done this? Do you want to know how he was healed, is what Peter said. And then he began to preach. Now think about the guys that are hiding just days earlier. They're hiding and they're scared to death. But now they're saying to these same people that killed Jesus, he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the man whom you crucified, God 
has raised from the dead. Now let that sink in just a minute. We say it many, many times around this season. But I don't know about you, but I've gone to many funerals. When I left, the guest of honor was still there. Not this time. And it changed the world. Notice what it says, verse 13. The members of the council were amazed when they now saw the boldness of Peter and John. The resurrection turned these men from scared, from faithless, into now bold proclaimers of the gospel. They, co they commanded them never to teach again in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, we cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. Now, listen, friends, that is profound. If you ask the question, what happened to these men, there is a very simple answer. Jesus came back to life after he died. Let me say it again. Jesus Christ came back to life after he died. You know, he was seen by people walking down the road. He appeared in, in the room with the disciples. 500 saw him at one time. History accords that this resurrection was not done in secret, but people all over Jerusalem saw him. And then one day, the Bible said he literally ascended to heaven with the disciples watching with this promise, this same Jesus that came as the Savior of the world is coming back one day as King of kings and Lord of lords. This is what we're celebrating. He came back to life after he, after he died, and they disciples were infused with hope and a renewed sense of purpose for life because neither their enemies nor their fears could control them. You know, when I read my Bible, I don't just read for history. I don't just read for doctrine. I read for how it can apply to me. And this is full. Listen, do you know the same kind of change can happen to us? The same change that turned Peter and John into fearful, hiding, cowering men, and then they faced boldly the people that would confront them and take their lives. There was a power that had entered their life that was transforming. The same thing can happen to us. Romans chapter 8, verse 11, listen, it says, Just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal, mortal body. God will cause my body and your body, if we die before Christ returns, God will cause his resurrection power to live in us and we too will live again. These bodies that are decaying will one day, friend, never die again. It is the hope and promise of eternal life that only the Bible offers. Uh, listen, because Jesus rose, not only can we have hope for eternal life when we die, but let's get real practical just a moment. We can have hope to face our darkest hour here on this earth. Uh, the resurrection turns sinners into saints. It turns partiers into praisers. It turns self-centered people into people who help others. It turns angry and bitter people into people who are sweet and loving. Because the reality of Jesus Christ, when a person embraces it and begins to follow Jesus Christ, they find peace and strength to face whatever the crisis brings. And I want to tell you, Jesus is the change we're looking for. You know, as we talk about the resurrection, we think about, well, there's a promise of eternal life when we die, but I'm going to tell you it is so much more. It is for an abundant life now. I became a Christian in, well, I was 19 years of age. It was August 1976. I remember it like it was yesterday. 
I had spent probably 17, 18, and 19, uh, I'd become a very worldly person as I was trying to find the meaning of life and happiness and, and, and what life was all about. Listen, I explored the world like so many do. I tried to find happiness in alcohol. I tried to find it through the, the girls that I dated. I tried to find it through an athletic career. I was going to college. I was on a football scholarship. Uh, I tried to find it uh, in education and my dreams and my future, just like everybody else. But every time I would reach out to it and get a hold of it, it would almost be empty in my hands. And I found that there was a growing emptiness in my life. And I began a search that led me to the very place that a Sunday school teacher when I was a little boy in a little Methodist church taught me, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Now, I remember it was like yesterday. You see, this Gideon had given me a Bible, a little small New Testament Bible before I went to a Navy boot camp, and he told me Jesus Christ could change my life. And it's interesting. I'd only go to church because Mom made me, and I'm glad she did. But the words that I heard in that little country church stuck in my mind. And when somebody asked me, they said, what do you hope to accomplish in the Navy? I said, well, one thing is I want to read the Bible through, and I want to try to figure things out about life. I was headed in the right direction. It was August 15th, and I prayed a prayer where I committed my life to Christ. I asked Jesus to forgive me, to come in my life, and be my Lord and Savior. And you know what he did? He changed my life. That was over 40 years ago. I'm not the same person I was anymore. And I want to tell you, friends, I'd never go back to that life, even if I was young again. But I've, because, because I've found something because of the resurrected Savior that's giving me peace, it's giving me purpose, and it's giving me a promise of eternal life. I hope you'll find it too. Uh, the resurrection gives us a hope to face whatever the corona crisis brings. You know, the resurrection, when we think about it, we think about, well, it's in the sweet by and by. It's one day when we die. But I want to tell you, it brings a hope that is real for the right now. And we are living on this Easter weekend. It's unlike any Easter that the world, and particularly America, has ever experienced. Unless you're defying the government's request to quarantine, to not be in large groups of people. Listen, we're by ourselves on this Easter but we come together through technology. But listen, we are living in this crazy world right now where everything is stopped. Our economy is almost brought to a standstill. Multiplied millions are out of work. Uh, 16,000 some odd people have died from a virus that swept the world. And there's a fear that's in the world. Well, I want to tell you the same resurrection that changed Peter and John from fearful people into courageous people can help us face the corona crisis with hope and strength and a confidence that God is with us. Uh, I'm going to ask you this question. What is your hope anchored to in the corona crisis? It's a big question. Uh, how about government stimulus checks? Well, I hadn't got mine yet. I, I, I hope to get it. But one check may not be enough. Maybe you're hoping in masks and gloves and hand sanitizer. You know what? There's a lot of doctors that have died that have worn masks. What if they can't protect you? What, 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 what is it when we're quarantined and afraid, when people are sick and dying? My friends, it is our hope in Jesus Christ that will sustain us no matter what happens. Let me read you some Bible verses about the power of hope. Paul the Apostle said this, 
Paul, when he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul said, it was so bad in my life, I thought I was going to die. But then he said these words. He said, God has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. Now listen, on Jesus, we have set our hope that he'll continue to deliver us. Listen, I believe in washing your hands. I believe in doing all that we're told to do. But ultimately, that can't take care of me. It couldn't take care of the 16,000 people that died from the coronavirus. Ultimately, my friends, the thing that we can anchor our hope in in our soul is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, Christian hope, uh, well, here's another one. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Paul said, I pray that God, the source of hope. Now, that's a big, big question. It provokes our thinking. Where, where am I hoping? Many of us have not been on the front lines with these things. For many of us, we've been isolated at home. We're eating well. We're gaining weight. The grocery store is there for us. We're just inconvenienced. But listen, friends, if your life is shaken, where do you turn for hope? Romans 15 said, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Because you trust in him. And friend, I want to tell you today, we can trust in him. He is our rock, our shield, our fortress, and it's real. You say, well, pastor, what if I'm hoping in, in, in Jesus? And what if I get sick? And what if I die? Well, let me tell you what, friends, in case you hadn't thought about this, if the corona crisis doesn't get us, something will. The Christian's hope is deeper than being protected or healed from a virus. Titus chapter 1 says this, it says, In the hope of eternal life, which God who does not lie, promised for the beginning of time. Listen, not even death can separate us from our hope in Christ. We have a hope that we will live after we die. And it's not just some fanciful dream or pie in the sky, but because it happened first to Jesus... And Jesus says, it'll happen to you if you believe in me. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that lives in the Christian. Uh, listen, I want to uh, perhaps focus on the foundation of this resurrection weekend. And I want to deal with the two most basic questions. Why did Jesus die? And why was he resurrected? You see, it wasn't an accident, but it was very deliberate the Bible teaches us that it was a part of the plan of God before time began. And there's two things that you'll see as far as reasons. Number one, he came to die on the cross so our sins could be forgiven. And he rose from the dead to give us the hope of eternal life. But maybe you're skeptical. Maybe you say, well, I don't believe in Jesus. I, I, uh, I'm just not sure if it's real. I'm not sure if the Bible is true in God's word and on and on. You perhaps would call yourself an agnostic. You might even say you're an atheist. I want to suggest something to you that will help you. Um, there's a man. His name is Lee Strobel. Lee, his picture will be on the screen. Lee was a former atheist. He went to Yale Law School. He was an investigative uh, reporter, which means he's someone that dug deeply into the facts. And his wife had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And he just, it flipped him out. It changed his whole world. And he said, he set himself on a study to study the reasons. That, well, he was going to disprove Christianity. He was going to make sure that what people said was evidence was false. 
And he set himself on a two-year study, this intelligent man, to try to find facts and evidence to disprove the resurrection. And you know what he did? He proved it. And he became a Christian, and today he's following the Lord. If you're skeptical, I would just encourage you, you can watch it on YouTube. It's called The Case for Christ. But for those that do believe, I want to remind you of these two things that we know. Why Jesus died on the cross, it was to forgive our sins. He died as a substitute for us because we've got a problem we can't solve. That cross was not because of what Jesus did wrong. It's because of what we've done wrong. And Jesus basically said, I'll take your place. You've heard of parents who've had kids that had needed a kidney. A parent would say, hey, look, I'll give you one of my kidneys. But what if that parent only had one functioning kidney? His love was still so great for his child that he or she still might volunteer to give it. Well, that's the love that God has for us. I want to read something that caught my attention this week. It was in World Net Daily, but it compares the sin of our lives to the coronavirus. Listen, I think you'll find it interesting. He said 100% of the population is infected with something worse than the coronavirus. Social distancing and face masks can't prevent you from catching it. There's no need to be tested because you've got it already. So do your parents, your spouse, your children, your friends, and even your enemies. No matter how many times you wash your hands, you can't wash away this disease. The medical profession has no vaccine, and there's a 100% chance we're going to die from it. But there's a cure that scientific researchers will never develop on their own. The disease is called sin. And we inherit it from Adam and Eve. It is an inner propensity that causes us to act and say and do things that are contrary to the righteousness of God. Adam and Eve gave it to all of us, and it's guaranteed to kill us all. That's why people die. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. However, there's a cure, and only Jesus offers the cure. And that cure is forgiveness. And that's why Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. You see, there's something that the Bible speaks about that we don't like to hear about, but it's called Judgment Day. It's a day in which literally, after life on this earth is over, every human being that's ever lived, every human being that's ever taken a breath and, 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 and lived this life will stand before God and give an account for their life. Everybody will be there. Julius Caesar, George Washington, President Trump, President Obama, you pick them. The person that works in the supermarket, the person that's wherever, everybody will be there. And there will be, my friend, a dividing point where God will separate people. And those that have died in their sins, listen, the Bible says there's a real place called hell, and God doesn't want anybody to go there. But God made a way through the person of Jesus Christ so our sins could be forgiven and we wouldn't have to be judged in an eternity called hell but on that judgment day when people are separated, those people that are followers of Christ, not on their own works, not on their own merit, but because of what Christ has done on the cross, forgiveness is freely offered. Listen to what the Bible says in Acts 10. It says about Jesus, he's the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven. Think about that just a second. Everyone that believes in Jesus Christ will have their sins forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but I've done some things in my life, particularly in my late teenage years, that I'm very ashamed of. Actually, if you were to ask me 
what, what regrets you have in your life, most of it was be, would be when I was 17, 18, and 19. There are things that I knew that I did. They were wrong. I was ashamed. I didn't want to tell anybody. Even when I heard the good news of Christ, I felt like I'd been so bad that God couldn't forgive me. Can I tell you, that's a lie. There's nothing that you and I have done that Christ can't forgive. And it is the wonderful news of this resurrection season that every sin that I've committed, every sin that you've committed has been nailed to the cross of Christ and God offers it freely to those that would believe in Him. Now the question is, what does it mean to believe? My, my Sunday school teacher, Julia Guy, in that little Methodist church, taught me John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. What does believe mean? Very simply, it simply means to be persuaded that what Jesus said is true. It is to be persuaded based on whatever level of inquiry you've made into the Christian life. Whether you just heard it and believe it and said that's the way it is, or whether you're like Elise Strobel that took two years of his life and tried to disprove it but couldn't. My friends, the bottom line, all of us at some place have to say, I believe or I choose not to believe. But this belief to be persuaded it's true, our belief in Jesus Christ will cause us to follow him. This more, it's, believing in Christ is more than just intellectual assent. It is a conviction in our soul that causes us to act. If you're in a building when this corona crisis is over and we're in a restaurant and all of a sudden there's a, or maybe you're in a hotel and there's a noise, it's broadcast, and you hear the words, the building is on fire, get out. Well, you wouldn't say, wait just a second, I, I need a refill on my tea, please. And, and could you change my salad dressing from blue cheese to Italian? No. If you believed him, you'd get up and go. And that's what being a Christian is. It is believing and following Christ. The second uh, benefit from what happened uh, in this Easter season. Why did he, Jesus die? Why was he resurrected? And I'll close with this. Jesus rose from the grave so we could have eternal life. Now think about that. Eternal life so we could live after we die. I was so blessed by the worship today. Our worship pastor, Zach, he's in his late 20s, maybe 30. He's married. He's, one day he'll have children, and it seems, like, it seems like life is forever. It seems like nothing's going to stop me. It seems like my whole life is in front of me. I'm 62, almost 63. I look in the mirror. I see I've lost some hair. I'm getting a, just things are changing a little bit. I'm realizing that I've got more life behind me than I do in front of me. But at whatever point in life we start to realize, this life on earth is not forever. It is short. It is simple. It is gone. But the promise that Jesus Christ makes is we can live after we die. Now, I don't know how serious you've ever thought about that, but if there's one benefit from this corona crisis, it's this. It's made us all pause our lives it's made us realize there's something more important than material things. There's something more important in life than just having fun. Somehow God fits into the scheme of things. And I want to tell you, friends, 
Jesus Christ offered his life to forgive your sins and mine so we could have not only eternal life when we die, but a better life today. And I'm going to close the service now. I'm going to let you listen to a young lady. She's a member of our church. She's been coming now probably, I don't know, nine months. But her life was drastically changed by Jesus Christ. Her name is Britton, and I want you to listen to her story. I think it'll inspire you. Hi, my name is Britton Ball, and I wanted to talk to everyone today kind of about the changes that have occurred in my life from who I was to who I am and how God changed me. So growing up, I was never one that would take the path of least resistance ever. Um, I always wanted to do things my way, and that, that didn't change as I got older. I lived a very worldly life. Um, I went to the beat of my own drum, drugs, alcohol. I didn't really believe in God. I knew that there was a higher power because I was raised in church, but I, I didn't believe in God. I had been through enough in my life that I felt like it was His fault if there was a God, and I, I didn't want anything to do with that. Even in moments in my life when things seemed to kind of be going okay and going on the right path, there were always things that would just jump in the way. It would completely derail where I thought I was headed and there was always something missing. A year ago, I hit rock bottom. I had thought I'd hit there before, but I hadn't. I found out what rock bottom absolutely was. And I am a true testimony to God's relentless pursuit. It didn't come in like a wave. He came in slowly, silently, humbly, easily. It started with a song. He slowly started working on me. He softened my heart. He softened my perspective. He opened my eyes to Him. Day by day, little by little. I'll never forget the day I was in my house and I felt the Holy Spirit move through me for the first time. It was unlike anything I'd ever experienced in my life. I was having a moment of a breakdown. I was scared and I, I knew that he was working on me, but I was still fighting him. I was still resisting. I, I wasn't ready. I didn't think that I was worthy. I didn't think that I deserved it. And I sure didn't think that after everything I had done and gone through in my life that, that he could love me. <laughs> I was wrong, and he showed me that, that day there in my house. He completely came and covered me with his love, and I will never, till the day I die, forget that feeling. From that moment forward, I started watching Church on the Rock a little bit on Facebook until I worked up the courage on June 16th of last year to step through those doors, and it was the best decision I ever made until the day that I asked him to come into my life. He completely changed my perspective. He changed my heart. He changed my entire world. I wake up every day with a positive perspective. I'm not fearful. I'm not scared because I trust Him. All of the blessings I have in my life, all of the strength that I have, it's all thanks to Him. It's all thanks to the sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross to forgive me, to forgive you. The resurrection changes everything.
Wow, what, what a change. I remember when I first met Britton, I heard her story that somehow God, and you know, God does this in supernatural ways. He leads people across our pathways. And somehow she found our church on Facebook and began to watch it. And it was not our expertise. It was not our, you know, how good we are and how smart we are and how well we communicate. It's not all those things. We're just simply men, whether we're worship leaders, men and women, a preacher like me, just simply telling somebody what we've learned. It's like we know where the bread is and we know where you can find it and we're going to tell you about it. We were just talking to her about Christ week after week and she listened. One day she decided to come to church and coming to church won't get you to heaven. But what she did is she committed her life to Jesus Christ. I remember the day she prayed right in front of me to my right and to your left. She and Whitney prayed together. She committed her life to Jesus, and she'll never be the same. You see, what the Christian faith offers is not just hope for eternal life when I die, but a better life today. And I want to tell you, friend, Britain found it, I found it, and you can too. And I cannot think of a better time if you have never committed your life to Jesus Christ I can't think of a better time to do it than today. You say, Pastor, what do I have to do to commit my life to Christ? What do I have to do to become a follower of Christ? It's very, very simple, friend. You simply have to believe that what Jesus said was true. That he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. In other words, no one goes to heaven but through the cross of Christ. We admit that we've sinned before God. We ask God to forgive us. And we commit our life to follow him. I believe there's many that are listening right now that would like to make that commitment to Christ. Perhaps you've never committed your life to Christ or maybe you've gotten away. And one thing about this corona crisis, it's made you realize that you need to get back and get serious with God. Whatever you're feeling right now, if you want to commit your life to Christ, I want to pray with you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to lead you in prayer. I'm going to bow my head just like I'll ask you to bow yours. If you're even at a place you can get on your knees and you want to as an act of humility before God, this is not for me. You're not joining this church. This is you getting right with your heavenly Father. Let's pray. Bow your, bow your head just a moment and say these words after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. That's it. Go ahead and say it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. That's it. Just say it. Thank you for loving me. And thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. I acknowledge today that I have sinned. I have done wrong. And I've gone my own way. But today I'm ready for a change. Today I ask Jesus Christ to forgive my sins and come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I say today that I love you and I believe in you. And with your help, I'll follow you the rest of my life. And this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, let me congratulate you. The Bible says angels in heaven are rejoicing when one person turns their heart to the living God. This is a memorable time of life, not only because of the corona crisis and being at home,
but it's a memorable time because you and countless people like you here listening to this broadcast and all over the world are committing their lives to be followers of Jesus Christ. And what Christ offers is the forgiveness of sin, eternal life, and the reality of an afterlife in a real place called heaven. And I don't know about you, but that makes me happy today. Listen, if you've just made a commitment to Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you, as you'll see on the screen, if you'll type, uh, if you'll te- do a text and text to 97,000, and in the text line, then write the word restored. If you'll write restored to 97,000, hit send, it'll go to the church and we'll make contact with you. I'd love to send you some information about how you can grow spiritually. It's nine short, three, four, five minute videos, each on a different subject. We'll send you one every couple of days. It'll be transforming. Listen, I'm so glad that you took time to be with us today. Let me encourage you as Christians, let us commit afresh today to read our Bibles every day, to pray, to seek the Lord, and tell other people the good news about Jesus Christ. I love you. Thanks so much for being here. And we'll see you again, Lord willing, next Wednesday night during our live stream and then again next weekend. Thanks for being here today.